for one of the most beautiful and playable custom acoustics on the planet, look no further than Ed Rice at Toeir Guitars. Ed is a true artist, transforming exotic woods into magnificent, sweet-sounding instruments. Go to toeirguitars.us, that's T-O-I-R-G-U-I-T-A-R-S.us, and contact Ed today. Hey everybody, Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash Top Hill Recording. Hit the support button, 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Top Hill Recording Podcast, episode 52. What's up, Neil? What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm good, man. Have an early recording here. It's uh, I like being drunk in the middle of the day. Yeah, little, little day <laughs> drinking. <laughs> Today, we're having some uh, Michter's Ooh. small batch. What is that? Sour, Sour mash whiskey. Pretty good stuff. We've got a guest from across the pond today. We've got the Bad Day Blues Band with us. So welcome, guys. Welcome, Nick and Adam. Good day, sir. Good day. Hello. Hello there. And what time is it there where you are? <laughs> it's uh, 6, 6 p.m. Okay. Much more appropriate <laughs> drinking time. Oh, yeah. Perfect time for a bourbon. And you guys said that you actually went out, found, and bought some... There it is. All right. So what are we drinking over there, guys? There it is. There it is. <laughs> oh, is that, is that you? That's me. That's me. You got the... Yeah. Are you supposed to have ice with it? No, that's I've got good. Ice with that's okay. Yeah, that's Drink a good ice. choice. Yeah. That's a perfect choice. Is it? Is yeah, it? Man. I've not got ice. I'm going neat. I've got mine neat, too. Yeah. I've I've, uh, yeah. I've been shamed into going neat from, from my co-host here. So I go neat now. He used to go get me ice cubes at the beginning, of, you know, the first 20 episodes or so, but now he just stopped doing that. So he forced me into going neat. <laughs> well, I had to walk downstairs to get you ice. Yeah. So what do you got? Ice is an effort, isn't it? Ice is a real effort. Yes. Yeah. So that's why I'm it, always neat. I can't neat. be bothered with it. <laughs> you're, you're cool enough, Nick. You don't need ice. I don't even need a glass. <laughs> so you guys are uh, found some Jim Beam, you said, both have you bought Jim Beam? Yeah. Awesome. It's called, and I'm reading from the bottle here, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Absolutely. Jim Beam. That's it. See, And apparently, apparently the world's number one bourbon whiskey. Is that true? That is, is true. the world's number one? It, it is the world's number one selling whiskey. That's if you, bourbon ask, whiskey. That's if you ask them. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. you guys, one thing we've learned about uh, the bourbon industry here is everybody has their own niche. So there's like 15 bourbons that are the oldest bourbon ever distilled in Kentucky. <laughs> there are like 10 <laughs> world number ones bourbons. That's the truth. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we, we don't have much choice. That's the problem we have here. It's like literally you go to the shop and it's, it's Jim Beam or Jack Daniels pretty much. Uh, okay, so you went with the Kentucky bourbon. They did us right, man. Of course. Well, cheers. I, 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 it tastes better. It does taste better. 
Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. It does. That, that's, that's my kind of professional perspective on it. It tastes better. Perfect. Okay. I like your good. perspective. There you go. <laughs> well, cheers, yeah, fellas. Go. Cheers. Thank you for coming cheers. on. Cheers, guys. Chin, chin. Chin, chin. chin. Mm. It's good. Oh, that's some. Yeah, boy. This is some, <laughs> good. Boy. This is good. <laughs> Man. Uh, so, what's the um? What's the? Is there a special technique as like as natives? <laughs> because like in Russia, there's a technique of drinking vodka in that, right? So, is there a technique to drinking bourbon? No, I, I, you know, I don't think that there's a technique. As much as it's it's however you like it, neat ice mixed not mixed i mean it's just you know i don't think yeah. there's any the the professionals the the connoisseurs would say drink it neat get all the flavors do the open nose open mouth you know but you know yeah. we just like bourbon it's, it's we're different than that but if someone was to like pour a load of coke on it i'd still drink it coca-cola yeah is that like would you go what the fuck are you doing or well it be like, depends on the bourbon i have to be honest if it was with jim beam i wouldn't be upset <laughs> <laughs> Point taken. But, 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 but that's the same thing like Jack and Coke. I mean, Jack and Coke are synonymous with each other. They just go together because it's, mm. I don't know, they're perfect together. Same thing with like bourbon and Coke. If you get a bourbon, it's always with Jim Beam or something. Because generally that's like the house bourbon for most places, especially in, in the States. You generally will have a Beam, a Jim Beam house bourbon. So it's everywhere. So did you guys go separately and both end up with Jim Beam? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So is that the only choice we, when you go into the liquor store? Is that the choice you have is Jim Beam if you want bourbon? Yeah, pretty for, much. Yeah, for bourbon it is. And it's always behind the counter, you know, because people normally steal it. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you are limited for choice. But we texted each other today when, we, when we'd got each other's, um, when we'd got our bourbon. Bourbon. So, okay. <laughs> bourbon. Do you have bourbon biscuits out there? No, I don't think so. No bourbon biscuits. Everything else we have, there's there's bourbon in everything else around here, <laughs> but I haven't had a bourbon biscuit. What is a bourbon biscuit? Well, because we have we have bourbon biscuits, which are spelt the same, I think, aren't they? Really? Yeah. Is, I don't think are they related to bourbon whiskey? No, they might be maybe they're they're basically chocolate. chocolate. There's, there's, chocolate. there's no whiskey in them. Ooh. No. Oh, okay. They're very nice though with a cup of tea. They are, they are lovely, yeah. Huh. Dunk them in your tea. Nice. That sounds awesome. So we do have bourbon balls and they do have bourbon in those. Yeah, and they're chocolate and, and they're, they're amazing. Good. Yeah. I think you could probably See, get that. Sounds good. That would be the English version of, of your podcast, guys. It would be uh it would be having a cup of tea with some bob and biscuits. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate you all being in the spirit of ours because we certainly don't have biscuits, but we got bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. I'm on my, I'm on my, I don't know. How do you, how do you measure the amount of glasses? I'm uh, about my third bourbon now. Oh, speak. you're going to have a good time. We're gonna, yeah, we're I'm, gonna, not, I'm not playing games here, guys. I'm getting into it. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I will... Uh, yeah, it's all that ice you've put in now, isn't it? I, I'll pledge, I'm pledging to catch up with you. <laughs> <laughs> Adam and Nick, let's uh, let's start off, and we'll start off with uh, Nick, because the lead singer always gets to start things, so we'll change it up a <laughs> yeah, little boy. bit. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> so, Nick, why don't, why don't you start off with telling us a little bit about... Go back to childhood. What are your first memories of music 
And when did you realize music was going to be an important part of your life? Well, well, I do remember that I, I'm not the lead singer of the band, so I can go about that far. If that, oh no, you're gonna <laughs> have to. Your... No, you're gonna have to listen to the podcast because what he said was, since the lead singer always goes first, we're not gonna start there. Yeah, we're changing. Yeah, it we're up. switching yeah. it up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, he said we're sorry. changing it up. Changing it up, Nick. <laughs> oh, I like that. Sorry. So I was like, oh, I could how many have you had, Nick? How many of these Corbins have you had? <laughs> I've had. I've had I've had one bourbon. One. <laughs> um, so my first, very first memory of music is, um, for some reason, in my, I, I visualize a cassette tape, like one of those old, um, you know, those cassette tapes that used to record oh, off yeah. the radio on too. Yeah. And I can picture one of them, and I must have been about, and this, and I remember this is 1980, uh, this is going to age me now, 1983. And it was the song, it might even have been out, it was the song A-E-I-O-U. Do you remember that? A-E-I-O-U. A-E is like A-E-I-O-U, you, I sometimes cry. Do you remember that? Ooh, I don't remember that, but I like that. So so my my earliest memory is that song, and as a kid, like, running around, like, just, like, dancing to that. that. That's my earliest, earliest memory, is is that on a cassette. And to this day, I always hear that song and I, and I go, it makes me feel like a child again. <laughs> like I'm trying to, I'm trying to go as back as far as no, I can. I like that. That's the song that I think of, and it's that, and it, it's kind of pop songs. Like for some reason, pop songs resonate. Early '80s pop songs, yeah, like things like Casey and the Sunshine Band. Okay, yeah, Cool, Cool and the Gang. Oh yeah, you know, kind of like these, these kind of good, like, like kind of almost like disco grooves that as a they kind of tap into you as a kid and you're like, oh, I like that. <laughs> you know? So I still like calling the gang even now. Oh, I've dude, never classic. ever, I've never ever heard of you liking Casey and the Sunshine Band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Hey man, we, good. we all I mean, learn. I don't listen to it anymore. Yeah, we all learn on the podcast here, man. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know Nick better <laughs> after this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could, I could be cool and like, I mean, if you, if you try and like be cool, then you date yourself a little bit older, don't you? And then you start to develop your own taste. But very early on, it, it starts. So you knew it's just, it's just pop stuff. There was something that just grabbed you even at that early age where you were just in it. I guess so. I guess so. Do you remember anything about it in particular that just, that that captured you? Was it just the beat, or was it the vocals, or anything like that that really just grabbed you as a child? Because I specifically, it seems like there's always something that that reaches out and grabs you for the first time that gets your attention. Do you have any? I think. It, I mean, thinking about it now, it's all about like a like a melody mm. and a good hook. Mm. And 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 that kind of like travels through back from when I was like four or five to now. It's like there, there's like a strong like underlying bass line, not to kind of like big Adam up or anything, but it it's it's key, you know. Even if you look at things like the Jackson Five and you know their early stuff, and through Stevie Wonder, and then through to Paul McCartney mm. and and so on and so forth, it. it, it there's something about a strong, good bass melody that underlines it with like a, you know, like a, a good drum beat, you know, mm-hmm. it's that rhythm you, you know, that then carries on and it carries you through to like kind of rock. It's in, you know, it's, but, um, it's interesting because it seems like everybody bass wise, you just named 
they are they absolutely move constantly. There is no uh, sitting in one spot. There's so much movement. They kind of carry everything. They carry the flow of the of the music. It seems like when you talk about Paul McCartney and even some of the bass lines of the old Jackson Five. I mean, they they're constant. They just grab you. Yeah, yeah, and you, you could sing the bass line. Hmm. You know, and to, and to this day, anything that's done on an instrument that you could sing, it kind of means it's working. You know, and I, I kind of carry that through to like guitar melodies and guitar riffs. It, it's, you know, it's got to be something that's memorable. It doesn't matter how complicated it is. It's got to be something that hooks you. You know, because sometimes as a as a guitarist, you kind of feel the need to try and impress other guitarists. Oh yeah. And so you try to like you try and be flash and you try and play like a hundred notes a second. And, and this kind of stuff. And and then you think, well, what am I doing? You know, I'm trying to impress other guitar players. And the majority of people aren't that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, you think about all the great riffs. You know, we mentioned Sweet Child of Mine before this. <laughs> you know, I mean, what, what a riff that is. And everyone knows it. And, you know, and that strikes people emotionally more, that I, you know, to me anyway, than, than like a Steve Vai yeah. guitar line. I think of David Gilmore. When it comes to just yeah. playing perfect, you know, hitting notes, not hitting as many notes, just hitting the right thing, playing the right bend, doing the right thing when it comes to taste, I think, more than anything. Yeah, and and it transcends everything. And that's what, you know, like B.B. King, oh, what's the story about B.B. King turns to someone who's who's playing alongside him, he's playing really quick, and he's like... Are you getting paid per note or something? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know and, it, and I think Miles Davis said something like, "It's the it's not the notes you play; it's what, what's in between the notes." So it was something, I a paraphrase, but it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it, it's it's the melody, it's the hook. Mm. You know that it's always kind of like caught me, and I and I guess thinking back to being a real young kid, it was it was that. You know, if you listen to AIOU. Which clearly no one knows, but there's, there's a the <laughs> classic. There's, there's a there's a definite um, there's a definite melody, which is why I remember it um, to this day. Awesome. At what point did you pick up a guitar? When did you start playing? So what happened? So I was kind of very much into like pop and kind of charty stuff at a very early age. And there used to be a TV show called um, Top of the Pops. Oh yeah, here every Thursday night that we used to watch as kids and, and it was like critical view and it was when like people used to care about the charts you know it was always mm-hmm. like you tune in to see the actor on who was number one and this kind of stuff and then it got to about the mid 80s late 80s so i'm getting to about 10 or 12 or so and then um i'll be honest with you, then it was it was a mix of two things it was guns and roses turned up mm. Which, which kind of just, I was like, and I was at, um, I was at a mate's house, and we were having a barbecue, and my mate had uh, had a, a copy of Appetite for Destruction, and he put it on this this uh, record player that that was that was in the house, and he put on um, Paradise City, mm-hmm. and I was like, and I was sat there, and I was like, what the fuck is that, <laughs> you know? And I was like, I was like. It was like seriously, what? The, and because at first you get that you get the opening like, diddly, 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 right? That, mm. And then the drums come in. It's like, and I was like, whoa! And it was, you know, and just like everything was like, right, this is it. That's what I like. Mm. Kind of going in conjunction with that was that I started to kind of like listen to 
started to explore like my dad's record collection and, and my mum's record collection and and my dad was big into the Beatles. So he had the Beatles albums from when he was a kid. You know, my mum was also into the Beatles, but also into like your your softer things like Neil Diamond and Barry Manilow. And I'd listen to those as well. So you'd get a sense of the 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 kind of <laughs> the kind of ballady kind of like big orchestral pieces, but then also the Beatles singer songwriter kind of well-structured songs. And then you've got that influence. And then the, the 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 excitement of Guns N' Roses and that being like current, and you're looking at people like Slash and Axel, and you're thinking, you know, as a, as a 12 year old kid, you're like, wow, these guys are cool. <laughs> and then you're like, this guy plays guitar and he smokes cigarettes, and you're like, I want to do that. <laughs> and so and so just and then um, and then the other thing was, I was watching TV, and there was an interview. There, there was a TV interview on, and they were interviewing a guy. I don't know if you know him. There was a guy called Cliff Richard, who was um, big in the late fifties, early. He was like the English Elvis oh, okay, um, okay. back in the days. And at this point, he would have been like 40, 50 or so. And he and he and they were talking to him, and he and he had this song called "Living Dull," which was a big hit for him. He played with um, like Hank Marvin and the Shadows. They were his backing band. And they said, oh, we'd love to hear a bit of Living Doll. And, and Cliff Richard reached behind the sofa on this interview and he picked out an acoustic guitar and he sat and he, and he just started strumming. He started singing and playing it. And that was the first time I'd ever kind of seen someone literally out of nowhere just kind of create a song oh, and cool. kind of like play a song. And I was like, wow, I'd love to be able to do that. And then it was kind of that that was like just set me on the road to like wanting to play guitar. And then, like, sorry, I'm kind of making a, a short story long, but <laughs> then you kind of like, well, how, how, Adam, it'll be your, it'll be your turn. Have another whiskey. But how, then, how old he, were you when uh, when you saw that performance on TV? This was I would have been about twelve or thirteen. Perfect age to. Pick and up then, a kind of like, begged and begged and begged for a guitar, and eventually got a um, like a Spanish. It's like what most people start on, like this cheap Spanish thing mm-hmm. with with you know, really high action, really difficult to play, but then just started playing on that. And then it was just like, you just get addicted to it mm. from there on in. And as you kind of play more and you start listening to, and you, you keep listening to like your, your Guns N' Roses and then you get into Aerosmith and, you know, and all the other rock bands like that were coming through, you start to delve into what their influence is, were. And then that kind of takes you back. You know, and it takes you back to to like the seventies rock influences, and, and then and then you go back again, and then you go to like the Beatles again, and then you go back to the blues and the Motowns, and you know, and you and 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 that's kind of where it all kind of informs the direction that you go in, I guess. Hmm. It, well, it seems like you got a bit of a music education from your parents as well. They were listening to good music, which is always nice, even if you have to go yeah. back and revisit later on and realize that. All right, they weren't as lame as I thought. I, I guess the Beatles are pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't, you don't, you don't. I'm not sure you appreciate it enough as, as a kid. You know, it's only later that you kind of start getting interested. And you know, I was talking to my mum only like a few years ago because she saw the Beatles in '64, I think it was, or '63 when they played in South End where I grew up, and she'd stayed out overnight to get tickets and. And and I was saying to her, because like 
like, like Adam and I are both huge Beatles fans. And, and I was like saying to us, like, what was it like to see the Beatles? Like, because this is like just on the real ascendancy of Beatlemania. I was like, I was like, mom, what was it like to see them? And she was like, she like didn't hear a thing. <laughs> like screamed the whole way through it. Like Aww. didn't hear a thing. Just like just cried and screamed. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, who supported them like back then? It was like, was there a support? And she's like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was like, oh, it was Roy Orbison. Oh my god. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> she, they probably heard that whole set. <laughs> and didn't care. Yeah, didn't give a shit matter. about Roy Orbison. No, like not bothered at all. That's crazy. Just wanted to just wanted to see George Harrison and scream about George Harrison. So. <laughs> Number one, that's insane because that's end, ended up being why the Beatles quit playing live. They couldn't hear each other. It's like nobody's listening. They can't hear yeah. us, which is crazy. All right, well, yeah, uh, yeah. Adam, as I'm filling up my second bourbon to try to catch up with you. <laughs> Let's start. Let's come back to you, man. It's time for the lead singer to get his uh, dues here. Keep it short. Yeah. Keep, it, yeah. keep it short. Yeah, time's, money, two, you, time's money. You got, you got two minutes, Adam. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. See okay. you next week. Thanks, uh, <laughs> all right, man. Starting uh, all the way back. What is your first memory of music? And when did you know it was going to be a big part of your life? Okay. Well, oh, God. Do you know, like listening to Nick... Uh, rattle on for a yeah, very boy. for a very long time there, probably too long in fairness. Uh, that's, that's that's kind of uh, made me remember about like yeah, probably like the first music was probably yeah cassettes. I mean, I'm quite a lot quite a lot younger than Nick, as as he won't mind admitting. But uh, uh, it was still cassettes though, and it was probably before like I was I would say I was into music was probably pop stuff. From like, I'm gonna say late '80s stuff. Like, I used to have a cassette with it was like now one of those compilation tapes. Now, oh, now, yeah. now, thirteen or something or whatever it is. With like, you know that song? Uh, I think we're alone now. Who oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we're alone now. <laughs> yeah, no, which 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 actually is a cover. It isn't an original from the. I think it's an old '60s tune from a band. But anyway, I digress. Hmm. So. That, <laughs> <laughs> All right, wait, was, was, that, was, that Debbie, was, was that was that Debbie Gibson or was it Tiffany? <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> look, I've had a, I've had a few bourbons here. Can we? Uh, so yeah, I like Tiffany. Back in the <laughs> Tiffany, that was it. Tiffany. That was it. Tiffany. Yeah, it was there Tiffany. we go. All right, we had to confirm that. That was important. <laughs> Tiffany. She was in the shopping mall. Uh, it was singing a yes, dance. yes, yes. In the uh, the video, I'm pouring myself some more here. Uh, so. Yeah, it was 80s, like, like pop, really, with good melodies. I agree with Nick on that. That's what got me into it. But, like, actually playing myself and stuff. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, uh, the first, yeah, first ever record I bought was a Beatles record. And it's not like we're all mad on the Beatles over here in, Amer- in, uh, in England. Don't get me wrong. But, like, it was, weirdly enough, it was a Beatles record, mm. which I bought at, like, a... I was with my granddad at, like, a exhibition he used to sell like diggers and stuff and there was like loads of stalls and one of these stalls was a vinyl record stall and i had my pocket money for the week which was like five five pounds so i spent it on uh, a, a vinyl copy of uh long tall sally it was oh uh and then i just really got into like i started a little vinyl collection with beatles records and i was like oh they're great and then my mate was like i kind of got him into it uh, Leon, shout out to Leon there. He won't be listening, but uh, 
Uh, and then Leon. Uh, Leon, yeah, Leon Thompson. God, that's a blast. Ah, good old uh, Leon Thompson. Good old we, Leon. We started. A, we decided to start a band before we could even play. We just said, <laughs> okay, because we liked all the Beatles records. We were like, we used to sit and listen to them all and go, okay, which one of these are you going to sing? Which one am I going to sing? And he was like, okay, you do that one. I'll do that one. I'll do that one. And we couldn't play a note. We couldn't sing. We didn't have any <laughs> talent or any, any musical ability at that point. Not much just, has changed, does it? No, it's still the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you cheeky fucker. <laughs> so, yeah, and then uh, and then I got a guitar when I was uh, – I got well, I got my first bass. Actually, I went straight on the bass when I was 11. I didn't go with guitar first. Okay, 11 years old. Straight on the bass. Uh, all right, was that it? All then, right, here's the question about my the bass. Was it because somebody else was already playing guitar, or did you... Was it a choice? Was it a choice? Did you go, I want to be a bass player? I think it was a choice, yeah. I mean, I, For me, I think that has to be directly la- related to Paul McCartney, man. Anybody that has... And by the way, the Beatles over here, for every musician I ever know, are the, it, 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 it's just a standard, man. I mean, they are the go-to for, for everybody. Hearing those bass lines from Paul McCartney, man, that just gets you excited. And he looks so cool playing bass. That has to be part of the reason. If you chose anybody that chooses bass, not not to say anything bad about bass. I'm a guitar player. I can't play bass. Well, most are most most of the bass players we talk to say they became bass players by default. The, yeah. ba- the band needed a bass player. <laughs> I think, do you know? I don't think I don't I don't know whether it was. I don't think I was able at that age to distinct. I don't really think I knew the difference between a bit. Like when I first started listening to the Beatles. I wouldn't have went like, oh, he's the bass player, or he's the. I probably wanted to sing more of the John Lennon songs, to be honest. Mm. And then I can't remember how I. I think I got into Cream quite early. Oh, okay. Or like six, like sixties music. The Beatles pushed me on like Cream and the Stones, and then I just I don't know. I just got a bass. I think maybe I don't know why I got a bass. To be honest, I just I ended up with a bass somehow, <laughs> and that was it. Got got stuck on it. Uh, Okay. Yeah, and then yeah, just started playing along. Yeah, it was it was Cream really and Jack Bruce that that got me into playing. I used to like play along to them in my bedroom and stuff, and really annoy the neighbours. Like turn it <laughs> turn it right up, like on a on a council estate in Hartlepool. The last the last thing you want to hear is a a really loud bass amp playing "Sunshine of Your Love." It <laughs> the neighbours Shirley Shirley next my next door neighbour used to hate me. She oh, used to me, old woman from next door. Yeah, I used to belt out all the cream songs when I was like, yeah, eleven or twelve or something. Shout out to Shirley. Shout out to Shirley. <laughs> Thank you, yeah, Shirley. I think she's still alive. <laughs> Thank you for your patience, Shirley, Shirley. and Leon. <laughs> Shirley yeah. and Leon. Shirley and Leon. The Hartville so, crew. So were you? Were you always? Uh, and one of the things, one thing that always fascinates me about bass players is if they're also singers, especially lead singers, man. Like, I, you know, I look at Sting, Paul McCartney, just the few people that do it, and it blows my mind because I don't know how you have the brain capacity to sing a melody and play a bass line. I don't know how anybody does. I couldn't do it. How in the world? Did, have you, did you start singing and playing at the same time? Uh, yeah, I think that, yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, well, I think the singing came, Didn't ch- I didn't particularly choose to do it. I think that came as a result of like, Played bass first when I picked it up, and then I wanted to write. I knew straight away I wanted to write songs, like do my own like lyrics and stuff. So I did that, and then I was like, oh, "All right, well, I'll have to sing them, won't I?" Uh, and I've got this 
this bass as well that I'm doing at the same time. And then just became a thing. Like none of the bands that I wanted to like start or be in had bass players, obviously, because they're a bit rarer. Mm. Just had loads of guitar players. And not really any of them had singers either. So it was easy just to go, okay, I'll sing and I'll play the bass. When you're writing, do you use the bass? Is that the instrument you write with? Usually now, not, no. Uh, Saying that, I mean, sometimes it depends what kind of tune it is. If we're all in the studio and it's like a hard rock type one that we're all jamming out, uh, then yeah, I'll be I'll be on the bass and like Nick will come up with a riff or or what, however it comes about. And then because I'll have the bass on me, I'll just I'll start a melody on the vocals to go along with it all. But if I'm at home, if it's a song that like I'm bringing into the studio or I'm doing like trying trying to record it home studio wise then generally I'll, I'll play uh, like six string guitar mm. whilst, whilst writing a melody generally. Some, sometimes not. Uh, the only thing with, with a bass is it can sound uh, a little hollow, kind of a little empty if it's on its own with uh, a melody. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes not. Sometimes it works really well doing the bass and vocals to write. Uh, it's hard to kind of write the kind of songs that we do though, isn't it, from a bass? Yeah. Perspective. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, heavier stuff, hard stuff is harder to write. Mm. It's it's it just depends on the song, really. I mean, I have written like riffs. You can write a riff on a bass quite well, mm-hmm. uh, which transfers well into a song. But then you've got to have the kind of the vision to kind of think, okay, well, it might sound a bit it might sound a bit rubbish now. It might sound a bit empty with just a bass and a vocals. But mm. once I've got Nick on guitar and there's a drummer. And harmonica or whatever sugar we're going to put on top, it'll sound full. So you've got to kind of envisage, envisage a little bit. So you got to have the uh, right. you got to have the ability to know what what kind of have a sense of what everything else is going to be doing at the same time. Yeah, for the harder stuff, I mean, like softer stuff, like romanticy ballads and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know that you just go to a six string for one of those, don't you? And you yeah, strum yeah. away and come up with a melody. You know, you know how it works. When did you and Nick start playing together? Uh, so, <laughs> seems so long so ago. This, <laughs> so this was uh, this goes back to 1999, I think it was. What? Was it then 2000? It was. It was around the millennium, and um, and I'd put a band together with with someone I met, um, a chap called Chalky, who had moved down to to London from Hartlepool. And he was a drummer, and I was I was in it. I, I was playing guitar at the time, but didn't have a band. And I was like, I want to put a band together. And he was like, Well, I want to put a band together too. So me and him then like kind of got a singer and a, and a keyboard player, but we couldn't find a bass player. Like like good bass players are hard mm. to find. Like even yeah. now, still hard to find. And um, so if you know of any, and and he goes, he goes, Chalky goes. I've got a mate back in Hartlepool. And if you know anything about where Hartlepool, Hartlepool is like about four hour drive north from London. Like it's not, it's not close. It, it's, it's near enough Scotland. And, um, and he said, I've got a mate in Hartlepool who plays bass and uh, I don't think he's up to much. Um, I see what he's doing. And, and he wrote, he wrote you a letter, didn't he? Yeah. He hand wrote you a letter. <laughs> we didn't even have email or anything back then <laughs> so he wrote you this letter he said um uh i mean you, you you say what happened with the letter 
Well, no, I can't really remember. I've had a few Bob and Steve, I can't really remember. But yeah, yeah, I think, I think you've got it right. Yeah, he wrote me, yeah, he wrote me a letter. I think he might have sent me a cassette. Mm. And yeah, this must have been about 99 or something, which was maybe before emails. I don't know. But yeah, he just sent me, I had a really shit job. I was like 17. I was like, yeah, I've got nothing else. I'm fucking, I'll do it. And so, so Adam, so Adam moved down. Adam, like, literally with 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 nothing, didn't you? You just moved down. I had fifty, 50 quid. You, I had fifty quid in my back pocket when I moved. <laughs> and then just slept on Chalky's couch for a while, didn't you? And 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 you started to get the name of Biscuit. People used to call you Biscuit. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. Because because you had no money. And yeah. So you just lived on biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You could get like bourbon biscuits. You know those? Ch- yeah, bourbon. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Bob. Like. <laughs> Those biscuits you can get. Do you guys have test scores in America? Test scores. Test scores. Test. Test, <laughs> test no. score. It's like a supermarket, like Walmart. No, yeah. we definitely have Walmarts. Yeah, we have Walmarts. You have what? Okay. Well, we like, basically, you go, like, we basically the, only have Walmarts, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the English equivalent of Walmart, you can go and you can buy. You can live off biscuits for about like I don't know five dollars a month. You know, you, you can just. The cheap, horrible cardboard biscuits. Just buy them and then live off them for a month. It's like, all right, I got. I, you weren't well, were you? I wasn't. You weren't I, well. I was very skinny at that point. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so then Adam Adam moved down and um and and I remember meeting Adam in the the like we have a chain of pubs called the Weatherspoon Weatherspoon's pubs, hey. which is like where which is where, shout out to Weatherspoon's, which is like <laughs> um a mass chain of pubs that is all the same and it's just if if you're a down and out that's where you go and spend your days <laughs> like literally it's they're open like 24 hours and you you just see old men sat in there all day cheap, very cheap. and yeah we love it don't we yeah. we love it and um and we met and so I, I met adam for the first time in there and i remember him because he had on he was wearing these oh, here these we go cheap, here we cheap, go these these cheap jeans no he wasn't and um, they were ill-fitting. And then he had a lumberjack, a lumberjack <laughs> shirt on. <laughs> a green lumberjack shirt on. And, and, a, and, a brown, <laughs> and a brown waistcoat. It's not true. It's not true. <laughs> the story. And I was, like, I, was like, I was like, what the fuck is this? The story gets worse every time you tell it. <laughs> and then, um, but then I think oh, there was something you asked me that night and i was like was it was oh, it was it do you have a it was it do you have a base i can use yeah but but we had cheap stuff i remember like like back then like i had a like a, a cheap les paul copy that cost me i think about 100 quid i didn't i think as mm. usual i'm terrible with money i think i spent every penny i have on like i think i had offended jazz at first or something or a rig and back or something <laughs> straight out and that, bought the most expensive that, thing I could get. That's a real musician right there. Yeah. 50 bucks to feed himself for five bucks a month for 10 months, but he's got a daggone Fender P-Base. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 biscuit. That was, that's me. You got me down. Yeah, that's me. I love it. No, that's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. At what point did you guys decide you were going to go the blues route? <laughs> only or recently, was there a decision? Did re- it just happen? Yeah. Well, huh? yeah. Nick, I'm going to check over here. Shut up for a sec, right? Go on. Okay, so, take over, Adam. I'll have a drink. Although, although, like, like I've always like been into the blues with cream or blues. Should I say blues rock rather than blues sixties yeah. blues rock? I was always well into that, and that's how I kind of learned my chops from twelve bar stuff. 
completely forgot all about the blues when we were doing the rock band, like the, the band that Nick was just talking about there. Uh, and then we're like, we did the rock band thing, didn't really take off. You know, we we were, pr- we were actually a pretty good rock band, uh, but it just didn't take off, didn't happen. And then I didn't even play guitar for about, I didn't even touch anything for about three or four years, just stopped. I put on, lo- I put on loads of weight. <laughs> <laughs> you did. I, I, I put that. on loads of weight and I was just like, I was just like Mr. Mr. Normal, you know, I was just like a normal guy, wasn't in a band or anything. Uh, what? And then, what, was, what was the reason for that? Oh, that's, it's, it's a long story. It's a long story. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway. Biscuits. Yeah. Long, long biscuits. A lot of biscuits. <laughs> a lot of biscuits. <laughs> but, Too uh, many biscuits. <laughs> but yeah, it didn't, didn't play anything. didn't have anything. And then we, because we, we were still mates, weren't we? So like Nick's, Nick's yeah. my best mate. So we always hung about and stuff. And then we started going to like these comedy nights doing like, <laughs> like stand-up comedy. Just like what? Yeah. I guess You're telling like, jokes. Yeah, I guess it's just like that because we used to do the music thing. I guess I was still scrounging about looking for a way to try and to try and become famous or try and make my mark or try and be creative. So I need to hear a good joke now. That's yes. not how it works, man. You can't just say you now. That's not how it works. Don't disregard that, man. No. You can't just say, tell me a joke. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. It's definitely not how it works. <laughs> That's why we stopped That's doing it. That's why we stopped doing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we used to go to these stand-up nights and I was really bad. And I, I, I only went because the the deal with the open mic nights was that you have to bring a mate, <laughs> like to get to get to get a spot on an open mic. Oh night, yeah, you have to bring a mate. Otherwise, it's just a room of like comedians. Yep. <laughs> and so 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 every every week I'd get a, a phone call from Andy's like, oh, will you come and watch us again? I'm like, for fuck's sake, all right. So like every week I'd like plod along and watch him do the same yeah. routine, and be the only one laughing. <laughs> hey man, that's how you that's how you know yeah. your best mates. For yeah, sure. Yeah. For, yeah. That's loyalty. That's loyalty. And yeah. you know, the, the biggest laugh, the biggest laugh I ever got was when was when Nick accidentally spilled a pint of beer. <laughs> yeah. And he spilled a pint of beer on my crotch. Like like 30 seconds, like 30 seconds before I was due to go on stage. <laughs> Just all over. So I had to go on stage and it looked it looked like I pissed myself. And, 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 and the they biggest loved laugh. You. <laughs> I ever got was that. Uh, I laughed about that for about a week. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah. That. Hilarious. It was like you're the best comedy you ever did was because of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hilarious. Oh, yeah. That was it for the, the the comedy, huh? So yeah, how sorry. did you uh how did you prime away from the comedy scene? It sounds like it was a huge success. <laughs> well <laughs> Well yeah. Nick, Nick, Nick can take over at this point. But basically, what happened was Nick found. Well, I can't. I can't then, can I? Yeah, you can. Nick, Nick. <laughs> it's a, it's a, Nick can take over. But basically, what happened? Well, was... I'm about. I'm, no, go on, I'm, no, try, go on, I'm no, trying go on. to lead you into this. This is this is your this is your intro. Are you ready? All right, okay. Go on then. So Nick found this blues bar in Soho, London. Nick, if you'd like to uh, yeah. take us through that. Thank you. Adam. You're welcome. <laughs> so, um, so whilst whilst I was like following Adam's comedy career taking <laughs> off, I was we we was at, and I was like I was like oh 
I want to I want to start playing guitar again because I hadn't been playing for a while either, and I was like, I want to I want to get back into it. And then so we were like, well, what can we do? And I was like, look, I found this place in Soho where they do jam sessions, and on a Sunday you can go along. I found it on the internet. It's like Sunday you go along, you take your guitar and and you get up and and you can and it's an open jam night. So so I was like, look, man come along like i don't want to go on my own you, you can and i was like i've been following your comedy so you can follow me with this so we both went along like one sunday and i and i took my guitar along and basically you walk in and there's a there's a list on the bar you've seen this kind of stuff from oh yeah the list on the bar you put your name down and then and then the guy that compares it he kind of like gets up and he says oh um Nick on guitar, so and so on bass, so and so on drums, and he, they put a band together. And then normally the singer will go, "Right, we're going to do um, this song with twelve bar in the key of A," um, and then he'll lead it, and then you'll play, and then you'll just get nodded at um, when it's your turn to solo, and then you solo, and you do you do two songs, then you sit down. Oh, cool. And so we went along and kind of did that, and at the end, like like we obviously like got drunk, and then we're like. <laughs> this is good fun. This is good fun. <laughs> so then we went back the following week and then Adam was like, I want to get involved in this. So it wasn't long before Adam started bringing his bass down. And this and then, is, um, so, so this is uh, after the rock band, you guys both kind of put up instruments for a little bit. And so this is all just kind of organically happening because you're still hanging out. Because, yeah, I mean, because basically we got to a point with the rock band where we figured that we were just not going to get anywhere. We, we, it kind of got to a point and it was looking all right and then it didn't happen. And then you, you have to know when you're starting to like sell a, you know, flogging a dead horse. Mm. And, 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 we, and we, we were like skin, like we had no money at all. And we're getting into the ages of being in our 20s, mid-20s at this point. So you're like, I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want to keep being skin, you know, so let's let's call it a day and let's let's try and get jobs and let's try and you know like adam said let's try and be normal almost mm. but it, it's always there so you know we both went away and we both got jobs and we started you know doing that kind of thing but there's still this urge that it's not it's not right you know there's, there's always i remember I, I don't think you remember telling me this but i remember you said to me once that you cursed the day you picked up a guitar because since then everything else is second best Mm. you know nothing else wow. you do is, is 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 it feels what you should be doing because you feel you should be doing guitar mm-hmm. that makes sense it makes a ton of so sense it, so it, it's always there so so like so we always kept in touch and we always kind of you know we sometimes got together and did like little like jam sessions and that but it was when we started going down, back down the blues bar and then we kind of we we went every week and we got to know people down there and then and then i remember like one Sunday, you know, towards the end of the night, like we 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 were chatting and we just went, man, it'd be good to have a band, wouldn't it? Like it'd be good to put on a gig here. It'd be good to play here more than just the two songs, you know, with a bunch of people you don't know. It'd be good, like for if we got up and we had a band and we, and we could play at this bar, you know, for the night. And that's what you know. And I and I remember that that conversation is what started it. And it was like, you know, we just met people from the bar that then formed the band. We met Sam, the harmonica player down there. We met the drummer, the first drummer we had down there. We met the second drummer we had down there. Um, 
we met the third and fourth and fifth drums. <laughs> <laughs> it it kind of sounds like uh it became fun again it did i mean with the with the rock band we were in towards the end it it didn't it wasn't really us was it it, it was kind of mm. it, there there was a, you know it was it was almost like we were players in someone else's band and this became our thing and i think you know it's yeah i mean to this day it's fun i mean if we wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. And I think the fact that we're best mates, you know, kind of is what, it's what keeps it going. At what point did this become the bad day blues band? So we, um, sorry, Adam, I feel like I'm talking. No, about I'm, enjo- I'm enjoying we, the, uh, the gym beam. Carry on, carry on. <laughs> you finished it, yeah. I'm about halfway through, um, a, a halfway through a 70 CL ball. Oh yes, uh, I am. you're doing you're doing <laughs> good. Oh, I'm gonna sleep. We're doing good here. I'm gonna sleep well tonight. I can tell you that. Yeah, you're gonna sleep well in about twenty minutes. Um, <laughs> but, like, but we, uh, uh, so so it started with the the intention was never to become like um, the band we are now. The intention was just to become effectively like a covers band. So we, so we, 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 we picked people that we, we knew from the blues bar but got enough to get a band together. And then the aim was just to become like a covers, like a blues covers band. So we, we just learned loads of blues standards, you know, loads of the ones that, that we'd, we'd played week in, week out down the blues jam. And, and, and then we were like, sorry, go. I was just going to ask him about what year this was where you decided to, where you were even starting the cover stuff. <gasps> I think this no, was this was about 2016, so about four yeah. or five years ago we started to think about wow. this. Wow. So you guys then, quickly, um, did I see, I, I have written down here that in 2017 you were, you were either touring or did a one-off with Delbert McClinton, is that yeah. right? Yeah, we... Oh, dude, Delbert McClinton's amazing too. So how did, that, that happened pretty quickly. Yeah. It's good to hear someone who knows Delbert McClinton. <laughs> oh, you, are you, you kidding me? Him, you mentioned him here. Uh, is that right oh yeah he's huge he's huge here especially look my neighbor uh, is a a man named Frank Wilson he is Delbert McClinton's biggest fan I do believe I mean he's here's here's how much of a fan he is he has bought him a a Delbert McClinton he knows collects knives like hunting knives and stuff or like switch not switch blades you know just knives pocket knives pocket knives yeah so he went and saw him in uh, Frankfurt at that little theater they have there and gave him a knife and he ended up getting a Delbert McClinton harmonica with an autograph on it and it's his prized possession so yeah we know Delbert McClinton <laughs> over here man <laughs> wow well Ad, Sorry. Ad, you've got a good anecdote about meeting Delbert McClinton <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay uh so we, yeah, we supported Delbert at, uh, where was it? Sony Hall in, Sony, Sony Hall, Hall in uh, oh, Times wow. Square in, uh, yeah, New York. And, uh, yeah, we, I must admit, we hadn't really heard of him before, before we, uh, maybe had I heard of him? No, I don't think we had. Got the gig and then I was like, and then I looked into him and I was like, oh man, he's amazing. His voice is great. Mm-hmm. And then I looked mm-hmm. at all the old stuff, like, you know, stuff like every time roll the dice and all that. And then, oh yeah, and I was like, "This guy, Great, he's so. amazing. He's he's like a hidden gem, isn't he? Over here in the UK, no one's heard of him." Yeah. But yeah, we were chuffed. We supported him, uh, and we yeah, we met him briefly. Uh, we I think was it after we played? Maybe we came off stage 
we went back to the like the dressing room area and and he was there and uh, we we said hello we said hello and I think all I all I said to him was uh, I said something like Delbert consider the crowd suitably warmed and he went thank you very much man. <laughs> That was it. <laughs> <laughs> nice guy. Nice guy. Hey, you should have gave him a pocket knife, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Evidently. <laughs> Evidently, that's the trick. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he's a dude. You know what, Next guys? Time. I'm just, I, yeah, we're, no. We're, we're kind of doing a disservice to the Bad Days Blues Band, man. For on, on our end, we're 48 or 49 minutes. And we haven't even listened to we a song. We haven't even played a song. We're having, I feel like we need to play a song of your all's. Yeah. I mean, holy crap. Absolutely. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, let's play. Uh, let's if play. You must. Must. I mean, we've heard, we, 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 we've heard it. <laughs> let's, let's let our listeners hear a little bit of yeah. the Bad Day Blues Band. Yeah, man. We'll, uh, how, about, how about Hurricane? Good choice. Good choice. Is that yeah. one of ours? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we are, Hurricane. All right. Very good. They're very good, you know. So you guys are a four piece, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's two of us. <laughs> oh, the, oh, the, the band. band. <laughs> the band is a four piece. Yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned Sam, the harmonica player. Who's your? And you mentioned you've you've gone through five or six drummers. Who's who's currently <laughs> with you at drums? We have an Italian uh, drummer at the moment called Andre. Andre Tremolado is our uh, current. Drummer. Does he does he have one of those slashes above the e? Is it R A N D R E with the little thing over? Oh, I- uh, I guess so, because otherwise he's an- I don't know. Andrea. <laughs> yeah, he's not an Andrea. <laughs> he's not Andrea. Not that we know. But yeah, four piece. This is your all's debut studio album that you're coming out with currently, correct? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It must be kind of crazy to form in 2016, get the ride that you've been on. I mean... You've uh, got some accolades for being one of the best blues bands in over there at all. So h- how does that happen so fast? And then you hit shutdown, at least in, I don't, I don't know what it looks like over there. I think it looks a lot like over here with the coronavirus. Were you able to play in 2020 at all? Uh, we played the night before the first lockdown. And... Uh, um, it was get the. I remember within the space of a week, we went from we had two gigs in one week in March, and the first gig we t- turned up at, and we got there and the shutters were down and the bar was shut. Ugh. 
And then the second one we went to, which I think was the day after on the Saturday. And that was when everyone was like, how bad is this? And the barman was starting to wear masks. And it was the first time you were starting mm. to see masks out. And everyone was, you could tell there was a weird kind of mood in the air. And then literally the next day, lockdown happened. And then the diary just emptied. <sighs> and then we've done, we've done maybe like two, I think two gigs since then, like a couple of months ago. But yeah, yeah, just, just fell off a cliff. In in the business of music and, and entertainment and all that, it, it's all about momentum. And, and when you have that and, and everybody's momentum kind of gets shut off, what is the step that you have to take to get to that point when everything does open back up that you're, are you guys prepared to just hit the ground running with the new record and promotion and, and getting, getting word out and doing all those things? I mean, is that kind of what, what it looks like right now is just waiting until you get the word go? Yeah, it's it's tricky because, like, I guess pretty much since we started, we we always kind of had like I don't know, maybe six months, six months, eight months, like worth of gigs, like booked in, mm-hmm. and then when the whole when the whole pandemic happened and like we had like a year's worth of gigs cancelled, we did lose a lot of that momentum because uh, I guess at that point we we played some big festivals, we played like. We played the Isle of Wight a couple of times, uh, oh. and we played some of the bigger UK festivals. And yeah, we we popped over to uh, to New York, and you know it was looking it was looking pretty good. And then and then we had for twenty twenty, we actually had booked in uh, a, a, a really big festival in Romania with like Beth Hart and mm. Beth Hart and Eric Gales mm. and uh, mm. Samantha Fish and some of the some of the bigger blues artists. Yeah, and and we were like main stage at one of the well, the biggest UK festival. So it was, it was oh, all wow. great. And then it all went to shit and it was like, oh shit, now what do we do? But not, it kind of worked out, out okay because uh, if we'd have been gigging constantly, which we were gigging quite a lot, we wouldn't have probably made the effort and made the album um, mm, because yeah. we didn't have the gigs. It was like, what we're going to do? Okay, well, we better do the album then. That would have been putting off for a while. And to be honest, me and me and Nick pushed through the album. The other the other guys were a bit like not not so keen on on pushing it through, but we pushed it through uh, before one of the lockdowns came in. We knew we had to kind of get get it down, get it recorded, because we didn't know what the future was going to be like, if there's going to be any gigs, and what it was. So luckily, we got we got all the tracks down. Mm. And then yeah, I mean it's it's so far it's only been out half a week or something or a week by the time this goes out. But it's doing really well. We've already it's already went to number one in the iTunes blues charts over here. And oh, now. that's oh, wow. amazing! Yeah. Congratulations, guys! Yeah, thanks, that's awesome. So, that's amazing. So far, it's doing well. Fingers crossed, it'll do okay for us. And then, and then when things open back up, I'm hoping that like the buzz off the album when we can gig again, more people will have heard of us, and then and then we'll get offered a lot more gigs and stuff, and then and then we'll just cr- we'll just crack on with it, you know. But I think I think the whole kind of dynamic of of gigging to support an album. I think, I think everything's changing as a result of what's going on. Oh yeah. You know, so I think, I think Adam's right. Like we wouldn't have got the album out if this hadn't have happened, you know, because we would have just been like, we would have just put it off and put it off and put it off, you know? So I think it's, it's, it's a good thing that's it's meant that we've had to focus and concentrate and get it done, you know, and some things on the album are a little bit rushed, but you know, overall, I'm very happy with it. I'm very, I'm very proud of it. 
I, I think it sums us up and I think it captures what we are as a band. So, yeah. so I think it's, I think, I think it's good, but I think how, you know, I think bands have to work differently these days to how, you know, to the tradition of going out and gigging, you know, it's all about building and following like virtually, Oh yeah, you know, it's about building the brand, isn't it? And, and it's about the, the album becomes a product of the brand. The album isn't the be all and end all. It's not like, you know, like years ago, you could you could release an album, you know, or if you remember like all your favorite artists, like they'd release an album, they'd disappear mm-hmm. and then they'd turn up again like a couple of years later with an album again. Yeah. And then and everyone'd be like, oh fucking great. You know, but this you disappear now and you you're gone. You know, so it, it's you gotta keep momentum and and you have to play the, the the social media game. You have to play the Instagrams and the Facebooks and all that kind of stuff. You know, so if anything, maybe it's made us a bit smarter around all that. Mm, yeah. You know, but so when, when things reopen and when, if there is a normality that resumes, then, then we're ready to go out and gig. But I, I don't know if that's where the, the, the success route lies, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. I think you're right. The dynamic has changed. The whole model has changed. So what it looks like from this point forward, I'd, I don't know. I think, like you said, uh, the album might, might have felt a little rushed, but to have that product, to have it out, to be able to uh, have the pride in it that you do, and to be able to kind of, you know, one thing that that I think I've noticed on my end is people are excited about new things, the ability to hear new things, see new things in a way that they've never been because everybody's just kind of stuck. So mm. to be able to put out something new regardless of being able to tour behind it or whatever it's kind of just it's kind of at this point it feels like a gift sometimes so one thank you for getting that out because there's a lot of people like me that yearn for new stuff and new music and new material so when stuff is made available it, it becomes real important real quick you guys are also supporting these songs with videos aren't you yeah yeah there's a couple of videos that's big yeah we did uh what did we do? We did, we, well, the kind of lead track. Well, it's a funny story, guys. It's a funny story. So, like, the first label we were going to sign with, they were like, okay, you, you need to do, like, a cover. You need to, like, do a, you know, a reworking of something that people have heard to grab some attention. Mm. So then we went, okay. So we had a couple of soul numbers, like, we did, like, Hold On, I'm Coming, and we did Can't Turn Me Loose and... uh Mr. Pitiful. Mr. Pitiful, you know, some of the soul kind of Sam and Dave stuff. So we said, okay, we'll do that. So we did that and we, we, we did a video for uh, Hold On, I'm Coming. But then we changed label before it came out. So we, we've now got, we signed to two, we signed to like a UK label uh, called Linaria. Shout out to Linaria. Uh, and also, weirdly, a Japanese label called P-Vine, who really dig us. Uh, and we're doing okay in oh, Japan sweet. over there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. P-Vine. 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 Yeah, check them out, man. They've got... Awesome. They're str- they're funny, man. They're, they've got a strange label. They've got like like a hip-hop segment, which is massive. And they've also got like uh, like a, a history of like uh, a lot of blues records, like like old B.B. King releases and stuff, like like rare stuff. They're a great label. Awesome. But the, the, you know, the coolest thing is that they sent us over like um, half a dozen CDs that, that they made and... <laughs> And and they're they're CDs of the that have like Japanese writing on, 
like down down the spine cool. and, and the inlay and stuff like that oh, and it's literally like it's my it's my proudest achievement <laughs> oh, that's it's, so cool. it's, it's it's the coolest thing just to look at that and go if i was in japan i could go in a shop and i could buy that that's crazy yeah, <laughs> yeah that is cool that is so that's, cool. that's that's yeah. pretty mental small world yeah. i have a, all right so uh about the album i have a question what's the title come from table by the wall uh so we had actually it was an american guy wasn't it it was uh there was mm-hmm. this guy called used to come to all the gigs, especially the all Frankie. Yeah, Frankie. Uh, we used to play down, you know, the Hard Rock Cafe uh, venues. I don't know if you guys have them in America. I think you do, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to play a lot of those, uh, and this guy used to always turn up to those gigs for some reason. Called Frankie Shields, uh, American guy, American guy. Yeah, yeah, and he used to always mm-hmm. tell us lots of like stories about places. And for some reason, there was this one story that had us all captivated when he said. The, the best place you need to go to for oysters is New York. It's uh, Grand Central Station. And there's this oyster bar. You need to go in there and you need to, uh, you need to take a table by the wall uh, and you need to have some oysters and it'll be, it'll be a nice time. And that just resonated. But this, but this, this guy was brilliant because like, he used to go, you guys are fantastic. <laughs> he? he goes, you guys are amazing. He's like, you guys should be superstars. And and I remember like he sat down next to me like after after a gig we'd just done and he goes he goes Nick he goes he goes you are the best drummer I have ever seen. Like Frankie, that's John. Like, that's, that's it's like it's like you're the best guitarist I have ever seen. And then it was when we said um, we were going to to do the Delbert McClinton gig and he goes oh you're going to he's like you need to go to Grand Central Station and the the oyster bar <laughs> like, you want to go to the oyster bar and he want there's a table you want to get the table by the wall yeah table by the wall and and for some reason that that just become like a, it just become a saying it's an in joke isn't it it's an in joke I like the I like the imagery Table by the wall. Yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. For our listeners that want to follow the Bad News Blues Band, become bigger bad fans. News band. Bad, bad news. Bad news. <laughs> bad news. Bad, who's, who's, the, who's the Bad News Blues Band then? The Bad Day Blues Band. Hey. <laughs> did you say? Did you say Bad News? Yeah, Bad News. We get, we get that. We get that all the time. All the so, time. No one ever gets the name right. All right, let's do this again. I don't wait. <laughs> no, no, you got to keep all that in now because that's hilarious. <laughs> How dare we've you, had a, man? We've had a lot worse. What was it, Bad Boys? Bad boys. What did we get the other day? Bad, bad Boys, boys blues, blues Band. band. <laughs> okay, here we go. Bad Blues Band. Badass. Badass Blues Band. Badass. How about them Badass Blues Boys? <laughs> <laughs> the Badass Blues Boys. <laughs> the Badass Blues Boys. Oh. I like that. I love that. All right, sorry. All right. Brad, do you want me to take care of this? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. All right, guys. No, now it's really serious. It feels too serious now. <laughs> no, guys. So, Adam, Nick, anybody wants to follow Bad Days Blues Band, where can they follow you? Where can they uh, locate the music? Every outlet and, and way we can follow you, what's the best way to do that? Well, Nick, Nick, I'm sure you're fully aware of all of the, uh, of the web. Yeah, of the yeah, links. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got... I've got this down. All you have to do is ask Jeeves. <laughs> Googles. Googles. Go, go, go on the YouTube. YouTube. And, uh, and, and the, mice, the MySpaces. Don't, do, and, don't uh, do that. Don't do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah we're on there. 
Bad, bad news, blues boys. <laughs> Google that. Never mind. Don't Google that. Don't Google <laughs> that. Don't Google that. I should, I should be in marketing, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. No, man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Adam, you do, you do, you do all that no, stuff. I do do all that stuff. Clearly do all that stuff. You do. Uh, yeah, we're on all the socials. Our website is www.bad-day.net that's us find us Bad Day Blues Band you'll find us alright sweet <laughs> alright we're on all the the normal Twitters and that You're on Instagram that. we love Instagram I love a bit of the Instas uh, we're not on, we're not on TikTok sorry no you know we, I was thinking about that maybe we should be don't apologize I don't understand it I don't understand it don't worry I don't understand it either I just, it's just people dancing in it. Yeah, pretty much. Can you dance? <laughs> yeah, boy. Get on TikTok. Yeah, then you need to be. Then you need to be on TikTok. Off, yeah, boy. Off, off bottle of bourbon. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like Lionel Richie on the ceiling. <laughs> hey, so uh, where is the best place to actually listen to your music? Is there a, a certain place that you at Facebook or Spotify in or the car probably? <laughs> in a car <laughs> it always sounds good in the car doesn't it, it generally does good, well, one thing Brad and I know is if it doesn't sound good in the car then do not finish the product you gotta go back and remix you gotta go back it has to sound good in the car it's true you know we we, we do that don't yeah. we? we we do the car, the test, car test yeah. That's, anything I, we've recorded we always go and do the car test anymore it's two tests the car test and it has to be sound good on the phone if it doesn't sound good in those two spots then it doesn't matter what it sounds like in your monitors <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. All right, man. Well, we appreciate you guys being with us. We're going to go out with Luna Rooms. You guys want to set that up for us? Go on, Nick. Go, Nick. So this is, um, oh, man, what do you want to say? So this is a song um, inspired by a bar in London that we used to play every month that has, I think, shut down now because of what's gone on last year. And mm -hmm. it was a good bar. It was somewhere that everyone would come down and get really drunk and we would be the the Saturday night good time band. And it's just an invite to come down and have a good time at the Lunar Rooms. And uh, this is a song that we dedicate to them. And you also got to say, Nick, that it's got a badass Blues Boys guitar solo in it. Blues Boys. It's got a kick-ass, badass, <laughs> bourbon-infused Blues Boy-based good time guitar solo that is the highlight of the song. So if you don't like the first two minutes, just get to the solo and then and then turn it off. Nick will melt your face. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, fellas. Thank you. Thank Cheers, you. guys. Takes me